Hi, Liz Winstead, co-creator of The Daily Show and founder of Abortion Access Front, or as we call it, Abortion AF. Abortion AF is a nonprofit created by activists, organizers, and a variety of showbiz types who want to use our talents and platforms to raise awareness to the erosion of abortion access and create programs that help us reclaim this fundamental right. We help connect local abortion providers and activists with their community so folks can learn how to help clinics stay open, patients access care, and reverse the current decimation of bodily autonomy. We also get into good trouble exposing the lies of the anti-abortion movement at their churches, their rallies, and their religious-based fake abortion clinics where creepy people doing some sort of medical cosplay demonize folks seeking abortion care instead of providing it. Oh yeah, and our weekly podcast, Feminist Buzzkills Live, we use facts and humor to wade through the ever-changing news in this hellscape. To learn more or to make a donation, visit aafront.org. Exposing sexist ass clowns has never been more rewarding. Willow TV is filmed for a live studio audience being held against their will. What up, everybody? Welcome back and strap in. We got Mara Quint on the show today. We're talking about that private equity loophole and how to not, you know, scream into the void when we're talking American politics. Also, we might have time for a musical performance from the Stinky Pinkies. Yes, but for now, let's head on over to the George Carlin Podcast Studio so we can meet up with our host, Mr. BJ Mendelson. Get ready, everybody. I am still making the switch, but Mara, thank you so much. For joining I completely me. understand. <laughs> yeah, attention residue is a real thing. I, I feel like more people need to talk about it. Um, yeah. But maybe we could get back to first and foremost. Let's let's talk about you. Uh, tell us about yourself and what you're working on. Uh, well, um, my name is Mara Quint, and I'm working on a lot of things all the time. I I make no sense at all. I'm I'm all over the place. We were just talking about your attention shifting between projects, and that's kind of all I do all day is shift my attention from one thing to another. So for most of the day, I'm usually dealing, um, I work for Americans for Tax Fairness, and I uh, deal with campaigns to try and get billionaires to pay taxes, like any taxes at all. That's, uh, that's you know, the starting goal there. Um, and then I write comedy as well. So it, those are natural fits. One one goes totally into the other. But uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that. I actually have a deadline that was this past weekend, so, you know, I should definitely finish it today, but for, for a writing project. <laughs> I think, you know, I think about this a lot. Like, when you, when you deal with something that, that can be incredibly frustrating, right? Like, the, let's say, like, like, take the private equity loophole, for example. Yeah. Uh, which we've heard for multiple presidential cycles now, people running on closing it, it still hasn't been closed, it's now increasingly causing people um, to be priced out of their real estate markets because mm-hmm. of the private equity firm. So I, I see the comedy being a natural extension because you can't just scream into the void. Right? Like, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> do you, do you exactly see that? Right. Like, do you, do yeah. you come across that? Oh, absolutely. I think if I didn't have the ability to just be really obnoxious and sarcastic sort of off to the side, I would be I would be screaming just nonstop during the day, basically, because right. it's infuriating. And dealing with tax policy in particular is it's like there's a whole lot of people who are for it, which is the general yes. population. Everybody wants it. But when we talk about politicians who are for it, it gets real narrow. Because unfortunately, on both sides, so many are getting all of their funding from the extremely wealthy. And so even when there's some sort of lip service to, yes, yes, we should make a fairer tax code, uh, there are very few of them that are really willing to go to, to really 
dive into that. So it's uh, it's constantly hitting your head against the wall. Um, and then and then I scream in pain, but I do it in the funniest way I can find. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what? Well, I'm curious. Like, what what made you go into this as a field as a profession? Um, I'm just fascinated by because it it's something I believe passionately about. Like anything I can do to put fire to the feet of billionaires, I am all for. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm curious. I'm curious <laughs> about your journey and how you got. I'm recruiting there. you, Vijay. You're going to be in this now. <laughs> this is in. you're in. Um, my journey, all of my journeys in life have been incredibly strange, random, and weird, and have mostly involved me just saying yes a lot over and over. Um, and this one actually really just came out of Twitter because in um, 2017, right after Trump was elected, uh, a friend of mine um, (laughs) who worked for the Colbert Report at the time, he tweeted out that the next March should be on tax day to demand that Donald Trump release his tax returns. I did an awesome thing. I hit retweet. That was my big contribution to the movement. And I watched it blow up. And people were really, really animated. They were really excited. They were really invested in it. And they were running around, like, creating their own little tax marches. And everyone kept kind of saying, someone needs to pull this together, and you need to do it. And so I reached out to my friend Frank, uh, since he was really just a, com- just a comedy writer, just a very successful comedy writer. Um, and I was a not successful comedy writer who was also doing nonprofits and events and said, hey, can I help? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I jumped in and started trying to wrangle all of these various organizers who were creating their own marches and tried to unify it into a single movement and uh, make it a cohesive thing, which we did. We actually did successfully. Uh, and that was Tax March. And I was just sort of in it. And then uh, we kept growing it from there. But I had nothing to do with tax policy before that at all. And it was just sort of uh, the doing of it that made me go, oh, geez, this is really fucked up. <laughs> this is really fucked up. I <laughs> think someone needs to do something about this, and I want to be part of it. And I'm really interested, and I'm really excited to get to. And I just kind of kept going with it. And now here I am, <laughs> still doing it. Tired of being tracked online? DuckDuckGo could help. Tracking is a comprehensive program. Trackers lurk nearly everywhere online from websites, emails, and even apps in your phone. That means you need a multi-pronged solution. DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracking, blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download the app today. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hi, I'm Mike Reese. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. But in my spare time, I travel. I've been to Iran, Iraq, the North Pole, the South Pole, Chernobyl. These are my vacations, folks. I've even been to North Korea. That's the scary Korea. It's all in my new travel podcast on the Believe Network called What Am I Doing Here? It's fast, it's funny, and it's factual enough. You'll hear how I was robbed in Rio, kidnapped in Honduras, dangled from a cliff in Pakistan, and chased by a lady with a meat cleaver again in Honduras. I had a lot of problems in Honduras. Each week I visit all the world's hot spots and hellholes so you don't have to. You're welcome. 
Download and subscribe to What Am I Doing Here? wherever you get your podcasts. I wish I wish more people would talk about this kind of story than like, <laughs> oh, well, they changed their Instagram avatar and that that's the extent of internet activism. And I, I think that people don't hear these stories enough where you just kind of came into it and found this is something that you wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, with Tax March in particular, what I kind of loved was that, well, I will back up and say what I didn't love is that taxes are this whole world that was really walled off. You know, I think it felt really inaccessible to people. So even though people felt like, I know that something is wrong here, I know that the system is messed up, they felt like they couldn't really take it on. They felt like the only people who can talk about it are people who went to the London School of Economics or have been published in the Wall Street Journal or otherwise have some sort of credential that eludes most of us. So with Tax March, really the point was to really drive home for people that, no, this is an issue you can talk about. This is an issue you know about. You know about it deeply because you're out there every day trying to have a life, trying to pay for where you live, to get food. All of these things are the economy. They are economics. You understand it. You know what you're going through. You know what your family and your friends are going through. You are just as qualified to speak to these matters as anyone else is. And no one can shut you out of that conversation or make you feel like you can't participate. And that was a huge portion of what we wanted to do with Tax March was really empower people to dive in and own these issues. Can you tell us a little bit about what what you're currently doing today towards this goal of like making sure the billionaires pay their taxes. Yeah. So I'm now uh, working with Americans for tax fairness, which sounds very similar to what I was previously doing, but um, this organization, it, it is very similarly aligned, but with tax March, I was dealing a lot more with messaging and with popular movements and um, trying to reach grassroots. And now in this current position, I'm dealing a lot more with uh, legislation as it's moving right now. And it's, like exciting. I know this is like, oh, I'm sorry, I get really exciting. excited about tax policy now. <laughs> but it's it's actually exciting. We actually have several bills that are out there that have been introduced or are going to be introduced that are specifically looking to target the way billionaires make their money and make sure that they start paying taxes. Because billionaires right now don't get a paycheck like the rest of us do. So just increasing that top marginal tax rate doesn't really do much because they're not getting paid millions of dollars. What they're getting money from is through their investments, through stocks. Oops. So yeah, they're getting paid through capital gains, which right now completely they get no tax unless you sell them. But billionaires have found this great whole loophole in the system where they can get paid in capital in stocks. They stocks can increase in value. They can then, instead of having to sell them and pay any taxes, they just go to a bank and say, Look how much I'm worth. Give me a really, really, really low interest loan, the sort of loan none of the rest of us could get. The banks give them that loan. They live off of that. Their investments continue to increase. They're able to take loans to pay other loans, and they live like that potentially forever. They can go an entire lifetime never selling these stocks, having enough money to build whatever shaped rocket they want and throw themselves into space. I mean, that money is clearly very accessible to them. Right. And they never have to pay taxes on it. So... Right now, there are a couple of bills that are actually have been introduced to specifically tax the increase in capital gain wealth, which would be huge, which would really do something to start to address the inequity in our tax code. Yeah, I, I think if I remember correctly, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but um, 
if you close the private equity loophole, you could end homelessness at least twice over. Oh yeah, the there's States. so much money available. I think there's so much. Do you? So let me ask you, like, is this something I, that I struggle with when I try to explain this to people? Is once you get into the billions, I think people don't have a grasp on what that what that money really means. So is there a way yeah. that you use to sort of explain like what the difference is between a million and a billion? So there are a lot of really great visuals uh, that I can point to because I feel like it's something that kind of needs a tactical understanding. Like you need just tangible, I should say, understanding. You kind of need to like really see it. And there are a few, and I'll, I'll send maybe you can link to those yeah, as well. Um, awesome. But in terms of just trying to like quantify it, um, I think now I, I've like tweeted a couple, but I never really memorize any of them. But I want to say it is true that if you started saving $5,000 a day from the start of recorded time, you would still have less money than Elon Musk. Right. Like it, there's just a ton of these sort of insane kind of examples that once you start to think about it, it's, it mind, it's absolutely mind boggling. Cause we think of, we think of like millions and billions. We think of them as kind of the same thing, right? Just like that's rich. A million is such a tiny little nothing fraction of a billion dollars. Just, just an absolute teeny tiny sliver for these billionaires. They're vastly, vastly different. And I think it is important for people to start to really understand and hold on to what that difference is. Right. Now, let me ask you with your comedy writing, do you find that you're fun, like you'll come across something in, in your work? And you'd be like, that's that's a fun avenue. And do you explore that or do you try to keep like a separation of church and state almost between your comedy and your and your work? It really depends. Um, I haven't been doing as much comedy writing as I'd like to right now. And the things that I've gotten to do have been um, specifically like assignments that have come to me. So they've been had nothing to do with my tax world at all. Uh, one had to do with uh, punching up Scooby-Doo script. <laughs> One had to do with, I'm, I'm doing a project with a bunch of other writers that a comedy writer put together where we're novelizing uh, Star Trek, Wrath of Khan. So like, nice. the, and then I contribute to the onion. So they just sort of send out um, assignments. So it's whatever they're doing. And, and that's very fun to get these things that are really specific, but when it's just me and I have to sort of generate and I'm thinking like, I want to create something, then yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the day-to-day stuff bleeds out <laughs> into that world. Definitely. I have to, well, I, since you mentioned it, I have to ask, so does Scooby-Doo fight Elon Musk in this script? Oh, God. I mean, I pitched it. Like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like, that would be. I, I definitely pitched it, but I don't know that they're putting a penis rocket in a uh, <laughs> children's movie, but you never know, you know, it could be very subversive. Stranger things have happened. Absolutely. Um, you said something really interesting in the, the pre-show interview about how you, you started to get assigned work. And it was that an ex had sent an email to an editor saying that you were going to send a couple pieces. I'd love to hear a bit more about that story. Yeah, well, I um, I love getting to write comedy and I would love to do more. And I really just sort of run out of time. But I never set out to be a writer um, because... I always loved writing. I always made jokes. Like I, all of my writing always kind of was goofy and ridiculous, but it never occurred to me to try and publish because I had this like mystical idea that publishing was something that like this special group of people who were like plucked and they were told like, you are talent. And so you get to do this. And I felt like, oh, okay. No, I, I mean, like, 
I'm not talented. I'm not an artist. I'm not, you know, that's not me. I, I'm just a, a girl who just sits over here and writes for fun. And um, yes, and an ex was a writer. Um, he still is, I think. Uh, <laughs> he is an ex. I think he's still a writer. Um, but he would kind of encourage me to publish. And he kept kind of telling me, you should submit something, you should submit something. And I kept pushing it off and saying, no, I can't. No, that's too scary. No. And he eventually uh, wrote to an editor that he knew and said, Mara's going to send you three pitches by the end of the week. So he basically forced my hand. And if it were not for that, I don't know that I would have had the courage to really try and put myself out there. But it turned out that the way to get published is by submitting. Right. So who knew that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what went through your mind like that first, after that email was sent? What Was it sort of like panic or was it like, oh, well, I guess I got to get somewhere? Um, yeah, it was both. It was definitely both. It was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But he was right. I had a bunch of ideas that I was sitting on. There were, there were things that I wanted to put out there. It was, I was terrified that I wasn't going to do it right. Or that there was like, even just a format for a pitch that I, that I didn't know, you know, that there was this secret knowledge that I didn't have access to, but turns out no one knows what they're doing ever. (laughs) And everyone's just kind of fumbling through. So that worked really in my favor because, uh, no one noticed my fumbling. (laughs) This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Do you want to grow your audience without sacrificing your privacy? then the Stupid Sexy Privacy mini-series is just for you. It's a short, special presentation that will run every Thursday morning right here on Weiwo.tv for the next 23 weeks. In each short episode, we'll teach you how to preserve as much of your privacy as possible while still participating in the creator economy. You'll also hear from top privacy and disinformation experts who will teach you how to protect yourself from fascists and weirdos. And who doesn't want that? So make sure you're subscribed to Weiwo.tv where all podcasts can be found and we'll see you every Thursday morning for a special presentation of Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv miniseries. Now I'm going to ask you sort of the reverse of the previous question, which is, did you take anything from, let's say, writing for The Onion and apply it back to your work on, on the tax front to make this stuff more accessible? Um, I definitely have at times. I was actually part of a newsletter that um, Tax March was sending out, which was really difficult things to get through. And a lot of times with tax policy writing, it's just, it's dense, it's complicated. And so we wanted to put something out that was more accessible. Um, so we started a really kind of like, you know, we added some humor to it, basically. We started trying to throw in jokes and trying to make it a little bit more accessible and fun. Because if you're going to read it about tax policy, why not, you know, laugh a little bit while you're doing it? <laughs> it's all very absurd anyway. So, uh, so we did get to do that, which was a really fun element of it. And then also with Tax March, we had giant inflatable chickens that nice. looked a bit like Donald Trump. And the Tax March chicken was just a fantastic opportunity to throw some comedy into everything we were doing. And 
way too many chicken puns. <laughs> just way too many. It's hard to stop. Once you get rolling, it's... It's, it's really... No, I mean, you can just wing it. You but like, it. they just... Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you, like, <laughs> what, what advice would you give... Well, I, I'm going to ask you this twice, actually. Like, for, okay, so what advice would you give someone who is listening to this and is frustrated and angry at the billionaires and wants to do something productive? Like, what would what's something they could do? Um, well, first of all, you can go to americansfortaxfairness.org and sign up uh, to get more information. But I think in general, you know, when we look at candidates, even when we're looking at really like local races and smaller races, it's important to bring these things up. So if you have the opportunity to ask a candidate where they stand on taxing the rich, ask them, make them state their position and press them on why they are not, if for instance, they're not giving a strong enough answer. I mean, as citizens, as voters, you have every right to be pushing electeds on all of these types of issues. And I think it's important for them to hear that this is a priority for people, that this is something people care about because Fundamentally, it is. It is one of the most popular issues, actually, across the board, whether it's Democrat or Republican. So there's a lot of support out there, but I think that people, it doesn't tend to get a lot of the same attention because, of course, there are so many issues. And so definitely make sure that that all of your representatives and electeds know that this is something that matters and something that they need to be taking action and now, on. And uh, what would you say to the creators, or the comedy writers, the artists that might be listening about uh, creating? Like, what, what kind of advice would you want to give to them? Well, I mean, it depends where people are in their careers. But, you know, one of the things that I have to remember... I have to remind myself constantly, and I absolutely hate it, is that you just have to keep doing it. <laughs> you have to keep putting out whatever it is that you want. If you are a writer, you have to keep writing. It doesn't really even matter if you're submitting. It doesn't matter if you're publishing. You have to keep doing it. I want to say practice, but it I don't even necessarily mean practice. I mean that the more that you create, the more you expand your ability to create. And that was something I kind of struggled with because sometimes I would think, well, I only have this one idea. If I use it, it's gone, which is never true. If you feel like you only have one idea, then put that one idea out there. And in the doing, you'll likely find the next three ideas that you have. But you have to kind of get through that moment. And, now, before and I get going. to my last question, uh, where can we find you? Where can we, where can we read your stuff? And where can we follow along more on the kicking the billionaire asses front? <laughs> Well, I am on Twitter at Behind Your Back, uh, and that is where basically everything goes, and I share uh, everything I write there whenever I have the opportunity to do so. Um, and then the work, like I said, is at americansfortaxfairness.org. Uh, it's also on Twitter at For Tax Fairness. Um, and you can also find unrigoureconomy.org, which I'm on the board of, which is specifically focusing on corporate greed and taxation and fair economy issues. So lots of opportunities you're, to get You're doing tremendous work. Like, I can't, can't praise it enough, and I really hope people listening to this act. Thank you. I feel very lucky. It's, it's cool. <laughs> it's a cool gig. Like, it, it's a cool it is gig, a cool and gig. You, have, I mean, you have the impact to, to really change things. I hope so. That's, I mean, I can't do it alone, but I do appreciate getting the opportunity and I am trying really hard. Now, let me ask you the last question I ask everybody is what, what's one thing you've always wanted to be asked in an interview that you just haven't been asked yet? 
Yeah, that is like the hardest question. It really, it's like part of me just wants to be like, how are you how doing? How are you doing? Like- That's, that is a good question. <laughs> um, I'm struggling. <laughs> That's it. I wanted I wanted the door to complain. Thank you for You're opening welcome. it. Now I'm just gonna walk through and just like lit. No, no. Um, I I do actually think that that is a question that that we don't tend to ask each other enough these days. And I feel like every one I do, <laughs> the answer is I'm struggling because it's it's rough. It's rough right now. Things I think feel really dire a lot of the times. And I think um, there's a lot of plummeting into hopelessness for periods of time. Um, and so I guess I just also kind of want to say it's okay if that's how you're feeling. It's all right. And the one thing that I have come to learn is that everything changes and we have the opportunity to be part of making that change. And so we just need to keep going. And eventually, hopefully, we'll all be at a place where when we ask each other how we're doing, we're all doing fucking awesome. I believe we'll get there. I, I always tell people... If you don't believe that things can change, just remember there was life before COVID and life after, or life during, because it's not over yet. Uh, So, I mean, things can change pretty rapidly. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. You could be stuck in a house for much longer next day. That's true as well. Let's let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) No, is that not hopeful? I'm sorry. Okay. Wrong way. I went the wrong way with that. (laughs) It was still good. It was still good note to add on, because people should still be safe, because this isn't over. So, I think that was it. Yes. Well, that's our show. And uh, our, our apologies to the band. You know, we kind of just ran out of time. That's kind of the uh, that's the nature of things. That's the name of the game. Hey, hey, hey. Vaped Crusaders comes out on the 20th of every month. The 20th. You can't smoke that in here. Oh, wait. What day is it now? Do I look like a fucking calendar to you? Hey, man, I don't need all the attitude and stuff you know i don't i don't need it well i don't need your face your vape or your are those air jordan 3 ogs yeah yes those are 4500 sneakers i know they're pretty sweet yeah they are no wait i don't like you don't make me like you i'm not man i'm just out here i'm just trying to relax dude i'm on you pal you're trying to do some Jedi mindfuck bullshit, and... <laughs> I don't I don't think that's what it's called. I don't think that's the thing. You want to play mind games with me, motherfucker? All right, let's dance. Make sure to tune in to Vape Crusaders. New episodes are going to drop every month on the 20th right here on Weibo.tv. Whew.
Okay, your 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 middle name is Macho, but uh, I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever has a Macho Man ever cried? Yeah. Really? Uh huh. It's okay for macho men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more. But I've soared with the eagles and I've slithered with the snakes and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life and that there are no guarantees. Yeah. And I understand this. Yeah. Nobody likes to Nobody said life was easy, so if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right?